Hi there and welcome to Inside Rugby League, the podcast brought to you by the Yorkshire Evening Post. My name's Richard Byram and joining me again on the line this week is my colleague Peter Smith. Peter, as you'll know, is the Yorkshire Evening Post Chief Rugby League Writer and he also contributes match reports and reports to our sister paper, the Yorkshire Post. On Sunday, Peter was at the Salford v Leeds Rhinos game, a match which Richard Agar described as being rather eventful, which had a which was quite a fair summation of it, I think, Pete. Yeah, it was, yeah. Obviously, most of the um, spotlight after the game was on the cards that were shown by referee Robert Hicks. Two red cards, one to each side, and three yellows. Um, two of those to Salford and one to Leeds. I've just, just as we're recording this, the news has come through from the RFL's match review panel, and, and they've taken a dim view of... Um, of Goings on in that game. There's been, I think, nine charges from the match. Right. Five of them to Leeds players and uh, four to Salford. They're not all been banned. A couple of Leeds players, um, Brad Dwyer and Tom Briscoe, have escaped without a ban, both charged with grade A offences. And Salford's Ryan Lennon has also escaped a ban with a, a charged with grade A punching but um, there are some suspensions from Leeds' point of view that's going to make things difficult for Thursday's game against Lee. They've lost Luke Gale, who we all know is such a key man. He's been handed a two-match penalty notice for grade C punching. Um, and Bodine Thompson, who was sent off in the game, he's got one game for punching. And um, Alex Meller, who had a fine game in the second row, He's got one game for um, making contact with a match official. So it was a good win for Leeds, but it's come at a cost. Um, a controversial encounter. I think a lot of people will have seen some of the incidents on TV or on, on the interweb. Um, the, the main flashpoint was after 15 minutes when Conrad Hurrell, the lead centre, was laid out by Lee Mossop, Salford's big prop. Um, that sparked a... A melee and um, Mossop and Bodine Thompson who, who ran in to, to join in the fight um, were both sent off. Um, Hurrell also played no further part. He failed a head injury assessment um, and then shortly after that Jack Wells, the um, Salford player, was simbin for a, a dangerous throw on Richie Myler and then the second half Luke Gale and Lennon were um, both sinbin for fighting so there was as I say there was plenty going on um, the match review panel of Technum an interesting view on things you could debate whether what um, what Luke Gale did was equivalent to um, to what Lee Mossop did they both got the same punishment um, but that's just the way it is uh, at this stage we don't know if Leeds will appeal, there's the danger, if they do, of the suspensions being increased. Um, so we'll have to wait and see on, on that one. But it's certainly a problem for a team that have got injuries anyway. Hurrell has been ruled out for this week with his um, his concussion. He um, failed the head test, as I mentioned, and that means he can't play for a week. That's also claimed Ash Hanley, who was, um, was concussed playing for England a couple of days earlier. They had four players backed up from that game, including Gale. So they're going to be pretty weary on um, on Thursday in their, 
third game in seven days. They play Lee at home. I think that's a, a potential banana skin for Leeds. Lee have, or will have had three extra days rest. And although they haven't won this season, they've been competitive. I saw them the other week against Wakefield and really they were the better team for most of the game in that one and I thought we're unfortunate not to win. They'll be a threat. And Leeds being low on troops again and with no halfbacks are going to have to dig deep. Um, they are playing well though. That's the, the advantage. I thought it was a good Leeds performance. They threw the ball around nicely against Salford, defended very well. And, and with real intent so that might carry them through but it's going to be a tough a tough game this week I think Yeah it certainly seems that way because certainly fixtures are piling up aren't they and they couldn't afford to really lose any players let alone uh, two or three but from, from what I saw of the incident Hurrell seemed to go for uh, Mossop I'm not quite sure why or whether something had been said and, and as he ran towards him uh, must have just dinked him and Hurrell went down but then on on the way off once it had all been sorted out and players sent off etc he kind of run at Moss up again didn't he but he went to actually shake his hand which was a, a very very sporting thing to do I guess uh, you know kind of accepting that he'd been in the wrong and he'd made a mistake but also unusual uh, in this day and age and say so Hurrell's paid the price now because he can't play and uh, Luke Gale as well, quite a bit of chat on social media about the incident he was involved in. Uh, but certainly not good from that point of view for Leeds, especially as, you know, they've just had a long break, haven't they? And they'd had a good win before the break and come back and picked up another decent victory. So uh, be frustrating for Richard Agar, but... Uh, as you say, there's not much you can do about it and you always run the risk of getting the bans increased for uh, frivolous appeals or whatever and it would be typical of the authorities to, to hand out extra to teams that do appeal against things like that, uh, particularly because the incidents have got a fair bit of publicity, haven't they? You know, there's been plenty on Twitter and social media and uh, obviously in the, our papers as well about it all. But... Uh, uh, a good, a good I, th win, though. I, think, I think having if you're involved in rugby league over a long period of time you get to the stage where it's just it's absolutely pointless worrying what, about what the disciplinary system does um, I, I remember in the very early 1990s one of the first stories I ever wrote was a, a, about um, a disciplinary incident where one club was, was really upset with what had happened and, and another club um, one club felt that, that a player had been let off lightly the other weren't happy that there'd been another punishment at all it's, it's been going on as long as I've been involved in the game yeah. um, I've got I have to be honest I've got zero faith in the rugby league's disciplinary system I don't think it works I don't think the match review panel work I don't think the judiciary work I think the fact that the match review panel can hand out punishments without hearing any evidence from um, from the players involved, is wrong. Yeah. Luke Gale's been told he'll be banned for two matches. He's not had a chance to put his case. Same for um, same for Lee Mossop, who's always got two who's also got two games, and for Rodin Thompson and and all the other players involved. They've not had a chance to state their case. They've just been told 
you are guilty, this is the punishment. And I don't think that's how justice should work, no. personally. Um, and they've got this thing hanging over them. If the if they disciplinary panel decide, decide an appeal is, quote, frivolous, then they can increase the punishment. I mean, how, how do you decide an appeal is frivolous? Yeah. It's just, it's a nonsense, in my opinion. Um, you could say, you know, Mossop's not um, not Conrad Hurrell out. Hurrell's out of this game on Thursday as a result. So um, Leeds have basically lost two players from that incident. Um, and Lee Mossop's got the same punishment for causing an injury as Luke Gale got for an incident in which no injury was caused. So, yeah. you know, is, is that fair? I thought Luke, Luke Gale certainly threw some punches and I don't think he can argue... Um, at the fact that he's got a suspension. Um, but, you know, something clearly went on between Gale and Lannan to, to spark that in the first place. No, nothing's happened of um, come from that, from the disciplinary, um, sorry, the match review panel. And like you say, Hurrell did run out um, at Mossop, but you've got to wonder what made him do that. But again... That doesn't seem to have been looked into. I just think I just think the whole thing's the whole system is a is a mess, um, and it doesn't work. It's been changed and supposedly improved over the years, but but it never makes any difference. Um, it's as I say, it's just it's pointless worrying about it. Leeds will have to suck it up. The discipline has to improve. Thompson's the second player that's been sent off this season after Zane Tetarano. We've got four matches, again, which I thought was excessive. Um, earlier in the campaign, Richard Myler got a couple of um, games for dissent a few weeks ago. Just when you've got COVID striking and you've got players who are injured, which leads, um, leads have, you can't afford to keep losing players to self-inflicted injuries. So that that's something that Leeds need to sort out. Um, we can moan as much as we like about the disciplinary process, but... You know, if you don't get involved in these incidents, you don't get punished, do you? So um, I think it's, I think that's the bottom line. Rather than worrying about what the um, what the match review panel have done or what the, the disciplinary might do, Leeds just need to to sort their own discipline out, and um, and they'll have to get on with it. And being without Luke Gale this week will certainly make things harder. So they're again going to be without a. Um, without a specialist halfback, which has been the case for most of the season. Cruz Leeming, who's a hooker, played there against um, against Salford, his second game in three days, and I thought he was very good. I thought he was also very good for the um, Combined Nations All-Stars in their win over, Lee, uh, sorry, over England. So I would think he'll probably stay there. Liam Sutcliffe is available after completing his return to play protocol for following COVID. So he'll probably come back in. Um, they should be good enough to do the job. But as I've mentioned, I think it's it's going to be a difficult game for Leeds. And then they're going to have to go to Warrington on Monday after a sh- on a short turnaround, as are Warrington. And um, um, cope without Luke Gale again in what's going to be a much tougher game. And... You know, it's hard to see Lee's been able to get anything out of that one, but we'll see. It's time for other people to step up. As I say, the, the, the positive is their form has improved. They've won three of the last four games and against Salford in patches and for most of the game against Cass, they've been very good. So, um, 
it's not all doom and gloom. Far, far from it. But obviously, it would be nice at some stage of the season if Leeds could actually have most of their um, most of their first choice players available, and have not had that yet. And it still looks some way off. Yeah, without labouring the point about the disciplinary panel, Peter, because I think you summed it up rather succinctly. But uh, you know, it's the it's the inconsistency all the time, isn't it? The consistent inconsistency that winds everybody up. And as you mentioned, there Zane Tetevano, um, which is the case that which immediately came to my mind, where he gets four games for. A seemingly something and nothing, and then you know, guys involved in a street ball by comparison, and people being knocked out is deemed worth two games, which is the same as you pointed out that Myler got for saying something rude to the referee. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's like a lucky dip, really, isn't it? You know, each week it's you know, we'll, we'll see what, what's what, and you know, we'll hand out four games this week for this because this is the thing we're cracking down on this week, but then next week. We don't want people touching the refs, so they'll get seven games. But then this week they might only get two, and and on and on it goes. And but as you say, it's also important to stress that the disciplinary committee in general wouldn't exist if the fellas behave themselves, which it obviously isn't in, isn't possible in an imperfect world. But uh, some of the bans are certainly self inflicted. Um, but. Uh, well, same for all, all all clubs and players, but Leeds in particular at the moment uh, don't seem to have that many troops available and uh, you know can't afford to keep losing them like that. Mm. Uh, one, one positive um, from a West Yorkshire point of view is Salford will be without some players when Wakefield, your boys, go there on on Thursday. Yeah. I think, uh, think Wakey will fancy that one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, when I was looking at the fixtures earlier, I thought that was a, a good opportunity for uh, Wakey to pick up another win there. Um, we spoke in the last programme about the win over Wigan, which was superb. And, uh, you know, you'd like to think that they could build on that at Salford. Um, Leeds seem to, well, Leeds obviously seem to have plenty in hand against them and with the suspensions now and the fact that they're playing again after four days compared to the break that Wakefield had, which will be a week, uh, you know, should bode well for them. Uh, you know, do finally seem to be finding some decent form and consistency. And uh, pleased to see that they've signed Lee Gaskell as well today uh, for next season from Huddersfield Giants, which is another uh, good addition to the squad. I would imagine he had a few clubs after him and... Uh, Wakefield have won the race and uh, yeah. the way Chris Chester was talking it it sounds like Chris might be staying as well you know there's been some doubt over him hasn't there and the fact that he's out of contract but he, the way he was talking it, it was that he'd signed him and he was part of his plans for next season so uh, you know maybe Chris is, is staying on I don't know if you know any, any more on that one Peter Well we asked him about it last week in the build up to the um to the Wigan game and he, he was relaxed about it and said no it, um, there are talks on, ongoing and whatever will be will be but I was just going to make that point in the in the press release um, Lee Gaskill talks highly of um, Chris Chester and, and of him selling Wakefield as a club to him and um, yeah. Chris 
talks about how good it is to bring in a um, bring in a quality player like Gaskell and says I'm looking forward to working with him. So that may that may well be a hint. Yeah. There um, of, of what's going to develop on that. And I've said in the past I I rate Chris um, Chester highly as a highly as an individual. Um, I like him as a bloke. And I think he's got a lot of unnecessary stick over his job at Wakefield. I think he's done a pretty good job in difficult circumstances over the years. Um, and, you know, best of luck to him. I hope that works out to uh, to everybody's satisfaction. But Chris certainly seems very relaxed about the situation. He doesn't seem overly concerned. Um, and, you know, perhaps... That is that is going to be the um, the outcome that he stays on. Certainly, Wakefield's form has improved markedly over the last few weeks, and it's funny, isn't it? When you get your best players back, you get better performances. Yeah. When Wakefield was struggling earlier in the year, they were without a host of um, of key players. They've got most of those back, and um, and they've been playing a lot better. Although, having said that, there are some injury concerns. It's a real shame that. Tom Johnson was injured again the other day against um, against Wigan, and obviously Bill Tupu's out for the season, so that's a concern. But um, Wakefield aren't going to finish bottom; they're not in relegation battle. They've they've got enough wins on the board now, I think, to to be um, safe from the drop. So um, so there isn't that pressure there, and and I think they can focus a little bit now on, on building a side for next year. They've got an awful lot of players out of contracts. It's something like 13 players who are um, whose current deal ends in November and their situation hasn't been decided yet. So um, some serious thinking has to go on there and, and I think it's fair to say there will be some significant changes at Wakefield. But bringing in Lee Gaskell has been in terrific form this year and um, I think he's, his addition is a good start. Yeah, definitely. It's a, certainly a vote of confidence in, in the club and in Chris. You know, he obviously thinks that Wakey is starting to go the right way again, doesn't he? And uh, maybe he's being told some of the others that they're hoping to bring in or, or retain. And as you say, it's bitterly disappointing about Tom Johnston again. I c- couldn't believe it having just got him back from the concussion issue that he's now out again with another knee problem. Um, he's, he's certainly d- not had any luck, you know, in, in amongst the great tries he's scored and the success he has had, he's had some terrible luck with injuries as well. And uh, it's a real shame for Wakefield and for England, of course. You know, we want players like Tom Fitt for if the uh, World Cup uh, does go ahead later this year. And I, uh, just going on to that, you know, I see that there's some talk that maybe because of COVID issues and the, the issues of bringing players over from Australia and New Zealand, the tournament might sadly be postponed for a year. Uh, I certainly hope not, um, given all the time and money and publicity that's been invested in it so far. But again, with the COVID, it, it's something really that's out of everybody's hands, isn't it? It's real, you know, a bit of a what will be will be. You can't really predict how it's going to strike next or where or who it will affect. And, you know, you can understand people being reluctant to travel in those circumstances or... Uh, you know, perhaps have to go into periods of quarantine when they get back home after the tournament. Um, but, uh, 
you'd like to think that it will go ahead, you know, by the, by the time October comes round, you know, hopefully things will have cleared a bit more and more people will have been vaccinated around the world. And you would imagine that the teams and athletes will be and the support staff. But uh, again, these new variants that keep popping up, you just never know. Yeah, I, I, we should find out this week. Um, I'm not massively optimistic, I have uh, to admit. Um, I think the problem is, as ever, the NRL, whether, um, whether players are going to be allowed or willing to travel over for um for the world cup you know i think australia and possibly new zealand could field a team even without those players you know you could probably well we saw last week didn't we the combined nations all-stars beat um beat england last week yeah. uh, back in 95 australia sent effectively a half strength um half strength team over and, and won the world cup i think australia could field a competitive side but the concern would be that shown of players from, from the NRL then some of the Pacific nations would really struggle to, to get a decent team out. And I think that that's going to be one of the big issues. Um, let's, let's hope it does go ahead. It would be a, a serious blow if it was put back for a year. A lot of effort's gone into marketing this World Cup. The, the marketing of it has been very good. The... Um, the organisers are doing an excellent job and they've put a lot of effort into it and it would be such a shame if it was put back a year. But if it is, it is. You know, it's happened to the Euros, it's happened to the Olympics. Yeah. Um, if if that happens, then we'll just have to make the best of it. Um, but it would it would be a real shame. And just uh, going off at a slight tangent, but I saw earlier that the NRL have just signed a big new TV deal, haven't they, as well, which... Um... Obviously, give them an even bigger war chest to probably cherry pick the best of our players and the New Zealand All Blacks and so on. So something else worth keeping an eye on. It's certainly in a different league, isn't it? Financially, in in, in every way, really, the NRL. But uh, you can understand them wanting to protect their assets. And as we've said on here quite a few times, international rugby doesn't seem to be or isn't Australia's priority, is it? So. Uh, Let's hope that uh, the World Cup does go ahead um, and that the people who've invested the time and effort in it you know, get, get their reward and it's a successful tournament. And finally, today we were going to discuss the Challenge Cup dress rehearsal between Castleford and St Helens, which was due to take place on Wednesday. But late on Monday evening, it emerged that the game had been cancelled because Castleford were unable to raise a team, which is a first even in these COVID-straightened times, Peter. It's not a first, actually. Oh. Um, Salford, Salford did it last year, couldn't raise a team for a game against Warrington, and Warrington were awarded the win. Um, and Salford were fined in that case, I believe. This um, this time, Castleford have done it the right way through the RFL and through Super League. Um, they've not been fined, but they've, um, they've had to forfeit the game, so it'll go down as a 24-0 win to St Helens what's happened is Gas have got a whole host of injuries um, they were reduced to 14 available players weren't able to name any sort of squad on Monday when they were due to um, due to name one with it being a Wednesday game they should have named a squad at noon on Monday they weren't able to do that there were discussions with the governing bodies 
and um, the game in consequence was called off. Cass said they only had 14 available players because of injuries. They've also got an outbreak of, um, well, maybe not an outbreak, but they've got COVID problems in the lower grades, so they couldn't call people in from the academy. Unfortunately for them, it wasn't classed as a COVID outbreak. It didn't fit the criteria for the game being postponed because of COVID, in which case it, they would have looked to rearrange it later in the year, although that wouldn't have happened because there aren't any spare slots and Saints already have two games to um, to fit in. Um, but because it's not actually due to COVID, the game's been forfeited rather than postponed, so it's cancelled rather than postponed. Cast won't be playing Saints at home this season and um, it goes down as a 24-0 loss to Cass, which obviously damages their um, their win percentage, and a 24-0 win to Saints. It's a shame because it was going to be the sides only meeting before the Challenge Cup final in a couple of weeks' time. It also means Saints will have gone three successive games being um, being cancelled, or sorry, being postponed. The game at Leeds, the one at Hull KR, and now um, this one all called off. So they've not played for quite a while. Whether that gives them an advantage or not, I have to wait and see, but it means they're not losing players to injury. Obviously, the positive for Cass is, though they've they've been, technically they've lost the game, again, they're not going to lose any more players to uh, yeah. to injury and they're confident of getting back against Huddersfield next week when they hope to have quite a number of players back. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a messy situation, really. It's unfortunate for Cass. Um, they say they're devastated that they couldn't play. But um, if you've only got 14 players, it's like Leeds um, against Salford when Leeds couldn't play last Friday night. If you've only got 14 players, you can't play. Um, I say Leeds were able to postpone that one for a couple of days because it was due to COVID, but it's injuries in Castleford's case. So they've just had to um, to suck it up and, um, and accept the... The defeat um, and the results been awarded to, to St Helens. Yeah, I mean, obviously, let's hope that they can get the majority of those players back in time for the Challenge Cup final. I was looking through the list last night that you sent through to us and uh, some of them obviously serious long-term issues, but some of the others didn't seem insurmountable in, in the short term, did they? And hopefully uh, this week off, However, unfortunate for Cass, um, we'll just give them that time to get some bodies back, get a game in against Huddersfield and start building towards the Challenge Cup final, which, of course, is the thing that they're so keen to win this season. Mm. I, think, I think it's worth mentioning that Cass have tell me they did, they did try to get players in on loan and they, they did try to raise a squad for it. It's not just a case of them saying, oh, well... You know, we've got some injuries and we've got a cup final coming up. We're not going to play. They yeah. did try to um, try to raise the team to fulfil the fixture, but they just they just couldn't. Look, it's very difficult to to get players in on loan at the moment because all clubs are in a similar situation. There's four games in um, two weeks coming up. Everybody's got injuries, and um, a lot of a lot of clubs are are basically down to the last man standing yeah. in terms of, um, of raising the team. So it's a it's a tough issue across the sport and um, there are a worrying number of serious injuries happening at the moment. And I've said in a, a column in 
the Evening Post, which you can find online um, at the moment, that it it's getting to the stage now where the game's too fast and, and there are too many matches. There's too much emphasis, in my opinion, on quantity rather than quality. I think we need to cut back on the number of games these players are being forced to put the bodies through. It's not a game now that you can play two or three times in a week. No. Everybody's, everybody's a lot bigger than they were a few years ago. They're all doing weight training. The collisions are much tougher. Um, the speed of the game's increased considerably. And it's, you know, you need a full week to recover after a match. So um, I think really this is something the RFL and Super League have got to look at um, to protect the players' health and also to provide value for money for um, for fans. The last game in this little patch of four games in a couple of weeks is going to be poor because everybody's going to be out on the feet. The quality will be poor, the entertainment will suffer and that's not any good for anybody in my opinion. No, there was always a, a big row, wasn't there, Easter between teams having to play on maybe the Monday, Thursday or Good Friday and then again on Easter Monday or Thursday and Sunday or whatever. And uh, you, But now that's <laughs> that seems quite tame compared to some of the playing schedules that all clubs are having to go through. And what, what struck me about the piece you wrote, Peter, which was an excellent read, was the age of the players that have been forced to retire... Um, it's coming down all the time, isn't it? At one time, maybe, you know, forwards would go into the sort of early to mid thirties, uh, you know, both in past times and present uh, before succumbing uh, to injury. But now it seems that players, they're only really getting a 10 year career in, aren't they? And then, uh, you know, it, and again, it's a culmination of injuries. I think you mentioned Dan Manfredi, the, the, the Wigan winger there with, several knee operations and we've seen other players where you know several shoulder operations or badly damaged chests or knees or ankles and and, and just the sheer strain and of of the collisions as you say you know it's two huge blokes running at each other with another two tackling in as well you know it, it, it takes its toll and when players get injured now it's not just in general it doesn't seem to be just well he's got a bit of a rolled ankle or he's you know, maybe broken a finger. They're really serious things that keep them out for weeks and weeks, aren't they? And, and the concussion thing is the one that we keep coming back to too, but the one that really concerns me, the the long-term effects of guys being involved in collisions and clashing heads and heavy tackles and so on. And, you know, we must stress there hasn't been a specific link made between the sports and those kind of injuries. But it's still something, it's fair to say, I think, that you're at risk of if you play the game and you play at a high level where those things are all intensified and and greatly increased compared to maybe lower down the leagues or, or at the amateur level. And so I don't think, as you say, we should ever lose sight of, of what these people, yet they're paid for it and they choose to do it, but they're still put through a heck of a lot, in my opinion, um, you know, in their young lives, and and the thing, you know, some of these things will be things that will late affect them later in life, and uh, we need to think really carefully about the welfare of our players, you know, in the years ahead. So I think for, we'll leave it on that note for this week, Peter. Thanks as usual for all your comments, and just my weekly reminder that you can get the very latest. Rugby League news from Peter's Twitter feed at Peter Smith YEP or my own at Richard Byron YEP 
are the two sports desk guns at YEP Sports Desk and at YEP Sport. In addition, you can hear this podcast on Anchor and Spotify, Apple, Google and other platforms. And as Peter said, you can read his article regarding injuries to players on the Yorkshire Evening Post website, where you can also find this podcast. So again, thanks to Peter for listening. Thanks to you all for listening and hopefully we'll be back soon.